Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sports Compound. It is the Sarge here to welcome you to Madness Monday. I hope everyone had a good weekend. We'll be discussing about the conference championships games that happened on Sunday. Is there trouble in paradise in Green Bay? And where did the Bills go from here? Also, the Detroit Lions and Matthew Stafford are about to part ways. Where should Stafford go for his chance to get to the trophy? You'll hear it all here at the Sports Compound. All right, let's start off with the Buccaneers versus the Packers. Is there trouble in paradise considering the Green Bay Packers? They lost 31-26. to This first half of the game was all Tampa Bay. Two touchdown passes from Tom Brady. Leonard Fournette had a sweet spin move for a 20-yard touchdown run with that. Also, Chris Godwin was just the man during that whole game with five receptions, 110 yards. That's okay that he didn't get a touchdown. But the big thing is, during the first half, was Kevin King, the defensive back for the, the, for the Green Bay Packers. He is the one that allowed the first touchdown to Mike Evans happen, and Mike Evans was able to get ahead of him. Run by him. He was beat. Also, with eight seconds left during the half, Tom Brady threw a, a prayer, but it turned out it wasn't a prayer because Scotty Miller was able to get by Kevin King again for another touchdown. What's that? And also, during this whole game, the Packers were rushing Aaron Rodgers left and right. Aaron never had a chance. Because Shaquille Barrett had five tackles, and three of them were sacks. On that last play of the half, with that, I believe it was about a 39-yard or 36-yard, 39-yard touchdown pass to Scotty Miller. You had eight seconds left, and the Packers decided to play man. Why not play zone? Force them to the, force them to the sideline or something they should have not scored whatsoever if if they would have scored they should it should have been a field goal at most not a touchdown that was bad play calling on on the packers but it became into a game in the second half tom brady threw three interceptions two of them were underthrown and one one was jumped but the thing was with the buccaneers he Brady stayed clean that whole entire Game. I mean, he was only sacked once by Kenny Clark. I mean, I'm saying that the Packers have about average defense, but I, I'm just saying there was a lot of poor play play calling on the Packers side. For example, on the fourth on the fourth quarter, with about two minutes left, third and goal, the Packers were about to score, and they throw the ball to Devontae Adams, double coverage, which became incomplete but during that play the lanes opened up for rogers to easily just stroll into the end zone and also with that play call next call it was a field goal not they did not go for it with two minutes left come on what are you what are are you doing before i think there was a lot of bad play calls on the packers side and this is causing friction between their franchise quarterback in the front office. The head coach of the Packers gave Rodgers 
or allow Rodgers to make the play call on that third down, which was an incomplete. And Rodgers, after the game, came out saying, kicking the field goal was not my choice. And whose choice was it? It was the coach's choice, of course. But you got to know where you were at on the field. And you need to score that touchdown because you just made it pretty much impossible for your team to score a touchdown kicking that field goal. Because the Buccaneers were able to hold onto the ball and run out the clock. And then you guys are, but Sarge, there was that late PI call that do it's like I don't want to talk about that PI call because those refs let them play. There was should have been probably about two or three calls should have been on the Buccaneers if that was a case. The one thing I disagree with the refs is how late they threw the flag. It took about 30 seconds for them to throw that flag in late. And with that doing that, that's already a missed call right there on the refs. But you cannot blame the game on the refs because look at the play calling that the Panther that the Packers did. Look at the play that was third and goal that Rodgers ran, but he threw it instead of running it, which would have made a touchdown. Also, the Packers were playing against the number one defense, run defense in the NFL, which was the Buccaneers. They only allowed 67 yards, about 4.2 yards per, per carry. They pretty much just stonewalled Green Bay's rushing attack. And Devontae Adams wasn't your number one receiver. Yes, he had nine receipt, nine receiving yards or nine receptions for 67 yards, but Marquez Valdez Scantling had four receptions for 115 yards in the touchdown. But also the Packers could not get a rush on Tom Brady. So where do the Packers go from here? Well, where should they go? I well Aaron Rodgers asked for a trade because he's saying now Rodgers is saying that his future he cannot see. With the Green Bay, I think they should look into at least an offensive lineman or add defense. Because you could pick up an offense lineman during free agency and um, or also during the draft. But that real that decision is really what is gonna happen with Aaron Rodgers. Is he gonna stay or is he gonna go? Now Aaron Rodgers is one four in conference championships games. He had the game or the season of his career, and they came up short to Tom Brady, who's going to his tenth Super Bowl. Back on the AFC, we got the Bills against the Chiefs, and the Bills scored nine points. Yes, there was a fumble, good field position, great field position, actually, in a field goal. But that was about it for the Buffalo Bills in that first half. Even though I said picked the Buffalo Bills on this, on this show and also on ASAP, Sports Network on Facebook, but I also picked the Chiefs in a different Facebook chat group. But I was hoping the Bills could carry their defense, what they did with Lamar Jackson, contain him. And I thought they could have had a chance against Mahomes since he has turf toe, because turf toe was not talked about till Saturday or Sunday. Everything, all they're all talking about the concussion protocol. <clears throat> With that being said, former Seahawks Frank Clark was able to get, get to Josh Allen twice in that game, getting two sacks off of there. 
Josh Allen was on skates that whole game. He was hit 10 times during that and four, sacked four times. And the Bills, they had they had nothing because all the weapons that, Pat, that Patrick Mahomes have. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to run it. He has Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Daryl Williams, Clyde Edwards-Helliard, even though he was looked banged up playing. And a great offensive line. Josh Allen is not a bad quarterback. I think in 2018, he is probably the best quarterback or the best draft pick out of that class, even though he was picked third. If you give Josh Allen more time in the pocket, I bet you he will have more MVP caliber seasons like he did this year, even better. He didn't do too bad. I mean, he was able to pass it 287 yards for two touchdowns and one pick. Cole Beasley, he played on a broken leg, seven receptions, 88 yards, and Stephon Diggs did his thing, 77 yards. And Yeldon did his, about 41 yards. It wasn't much, but still. But I'm looking at Josh Allen ran seven times for 88 yards, and, and he was just rushed and didn't have time to set his feet to even throw the ball. And I thought, I thought he did great handling that pressure, but how great can he be if he has a better offensive line with that? Because the defense, do not sleep on Buffalo's defense whatsoever. You got Tremaine Edmonds there. You got Micah Hyde, Ed Oliver, Jerry Hughes. And Jerry Hughes was absent during this game, even though he played, he only had one tackle, but... He, he clogs up that middle and is always after that quarterback. So the Bills, going forward, they should look at protecting Josh Allen on an offensive tackle side when they come up for the draft. During the weekend also, we learned that the, that the Detroit Lions want and the Matthew Stafford are expected to are expected to part ways. About time, I got to say on this one. I don't think Detroit wants to win a game. I, I think they don't want to win a playoff. I think they're just there just to fill seats saying, hey, we got a team. I mean, defensive defense wins championships, but offense sell tickets. The only person, Matthew Stafford, I could come to close with that was good on the offensive side was Calvin Johnson. And guess what? He retired early because he was tired of losing. Yes, he was tired of losing. Great receiver. Megatron, great receiver. Matthew Stafford is probably the most underrated and should get more credit for as a quarterback with what situation he's in, even better than Deshaun Watson. Yes, Deshaun Watson had a coach who was making ridiculous moves, but Matthew Stafford's been in since 2009. And he's been beat up since 2009 with all the sacks and hits he's taken. The teams I think that Matthew Stafford can go to is Indianapolis Colts. Is the first one that comes into my mind because Philip Rivers retired this year. And Jacoby Brissett, I think he's going to be a free agent after this. Then that leaves Jacob Eason from Washington, who was drafted last year, who has accuracy issues. In the Pacific Northwest, yes, I've seen him throw the ball. He can throw the ball, but accurate, no. 
The reason I picked the Indianapolis Colts because you got about $7 million in cap space. And Matthew Stafford is about 32, and he has two years left on his contract, totaling up to $50 million. And you have a defense on that on that Colts team. And you have more offensive weapons on that Colts team than you did on the Lions team. And I mentioned it earlier in my shows last week that Rivers was only sacked 19 times. I'd say keep that offensive line. You'll keep Stafford up, and who knows what type of season he'll have. My other destination for Matthew Stafford is the New Orleans Patriots. Now I'm all of a sudden, I'm hearing all my listeners booing me. Listen here, maggots. I'm just kidding. I'm not calling you guys magnets. During Matthew, Matthew Stafford's current time with the Lions, he had Kenny Galloway. If they can somehow make a package deal with Kenny Galloway and Matthew Stafford going to the New England Patriots, I think that will help. Because the Patriots have about $50 million of cap space, and they can probably afford it. But the only thing that's downside about New England is you have the Lions' former coach coming back as a defensive coordinator of Matt Patricia. There was no problems between Stafford and Patricia. I just think Stafford was fatigued because the defense can't stop anybody when Patricia was the coach over there. The last team I can pick is the, is the Darlings of the NFL this last year was the Washington football team. Yes, you got Alex Smith, who had a phenomenal comeback player comeback from that, that leg injury. And also you have Taylor Heineken, who is a journeying dreamman dream player who's been on several teams, the Houston Texans and the Carolina Panthers, but he played his heart out during that playoff game. Of course, there was no video of him really playing, so how can you how can you play against that? But the Washington, they have $35 million of their cap space. Also, they have the general manager, Martin Mayhew, who selected Stafford number one overall in 2009. And also, you have Ron Rivera. He is not a bad coach. Defensive-minded, but he did pretty well with the Carolina Panthers, and I still think he was robbed of that job in Carolina. So these are the three teams I think Matthew Stafford would have success in and able to win that playoff game with one of those teams. Because Matthew Stafford will have Gibson in his backfield and Sims in the in the receiver cores. And also you have that young, hot, hot rookie playing. Also, I can't remember the top of his day with, with Washington. And I think Washington could be a scary team next year. No matter who the quarterback is, because that front four, the defense of the Washington football team is young and hungry. With all that football, let's jump into baseball really quick. The New York Yankees traded James, got Jameson Taylor from the Pittsburgh Pirates. This gives the Yankees a pretty good three starters. You got Garrett Cole, who, of course, is the number one. Jameson Taylor now and Luis, Luis Serviano now. All the other guys on the starting pitching, their ERA is four or above. And these guys are either mid threes below, and we know what Garrett Cole can do with the baseball. But also with the New York Yankees, you got to remember they signed DJ Mayhew, um, 
60 years, $90 million. That was like a discount. That was like a, that was like a town discount and in, in, in state discount or whatever you call those things. That'll put him at second base with Gary Sanchez at catcher. Gabler Torres at your shortstop. You can't forget about the judge or Stanton. I remember when he was actually called named Mike Stanton back with the Florida Marlins, and he was hitting bombs there. So the Yankees are set up pretty well. But with that signing of DJ Mayhew, are the Yankees in position to get the coveted pitcher, Trevor Burrow? I don't know. I can see it happening, but I don't. But if he does come there, that would be a scary rotation to go through. Or Heck, I'll just give the, the, the AL East to the Yankees. With that being said, let's go back on Saturday night to the UFC. There was a big event that happened at UFC 257. Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. And Conor McGregor is back. I watched this fight, the only fight I watched was the UFC 257, and I was actually kind of excited to see McGregor back in. He looks different without the hair. But during that, after that first round, McGregor looked beat. He looked exhausted. He looked like he was ready to be done. But he did have some fight instincts, because I remember in the first round, he was knocked down from Desuperior, and I might be pronouncing that guy's name wrong, but... Oh, well, but McGregor scooted all the way back to the fence to get back up right away. Veteran's instincts right there. But all of those calf kicks from Dustin Perrier was devastating to McGregor. That was the strategy. He could barely stand, and that left him wide open for all those shots that he took in the second round, which resulted in Dustin Perrier getting a TKO. Off of Conor McGregor now. Conor McGregor is now 22-5 and five in fights. So what does this mean by Conor McGregor? I think it means that he has one or two more fights left. Look, he's been out of competition for a year or two or three. I think he has some rust on him, but I think with more conditioning, I think he'll be, be better off in his next match. I think there will be one or two matches. And also... This wasn't the first time that Dustin and Connor fought. Now they're one-on-one. McGregor getting the first one on the first match, and Dustin got this one. So would there be a third one since there's a tie? I think so. One thing I'll point out for Connor McGregor was his sportsmanship. Yeah, we saw how cocky he was on the mic before fights and everything else, but he was he showed true compassion and sportsmanship. And even though Conor McGregor said this was a hard pill to swallow, he still had class and mutual respect for his competitor, which I have to admire with that one. With that being said, I hope everyone has a fantastic Monday, rest of their Monday. And I'll catch you guys next time at the Sports Compound. This is the Sarge. Sarge out. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.